Ladies, gents, what's up? Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Elite Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Adam Stock, the guy behind EFB. If you like what you hear today, you can follow me at Adam G. Stock on Twitter, and you should. I'll be tweeting a bunch on deadline day as the trades come in and answering as many questions as I can. For my subscribers, of course, you get special treatment. That's what you paid for. I'll be putting up a deadline preview on Monday, and then on deadline day itself, I'll have an instant reaction thread where I'll give you a detailed breakdown of each trade as it's reported. I'll tell you who to pick up, who to drop. We'll talk about the deadline a little bit today as we go through all of last night's games we'll talk about some stashes that i like as well as some stashes that i'm not crazy over that don't really make sense to me We'll start with a good one. We'll start with the Celtics win over the Hornets. Tatum and Brown were actually pretty quiet last night. It was more of a team effort from the Celtics. Marcus Smart and Josh Richardson had particularly nice games. Smart has really heated up after a somewhat slow start to the year. He had 22 points, two threes, six times, one steal, and one block. An excellent shooting both from the floor and the line. I won't send an offer after this game, but if you are punting field goal percentage, I absolutely love him as a trade target. He's a clear top 50 guy there, and he wouldn't cost anything close to that due to his low PPG and low field goal percentage maybe you can get him for like a top 80 guy uh, Jay Rich had 23 points with six threes he's actually having a real nice season for the seas but for fantasy purposes he's pretty useless the minutes just aren't there most nights over the last two weeks he's only played 21 minutes per game you can do better I think even in 16 team leagues Dennis Schroeder only played 16 minutes and doesn't have to be rostered anywhere a trade could definitely happen but it's just extremely unlikely that he goes somewhere where he's going to be play enough to be more than a low-end option. You really need to be playing 32 to 33 minutes to get there, and I don't really see too many teams out there who are going to give him those minutes, even when he's rolling. He's more of a top 130 guy just because his game's not that fantasy-friendly. If I'm stashing, I'd rather stash someone who has the ability to be a difference maker down the stretch, and that's just not who Schroeder is. Horford had 12 boards, but, but was quiet elsewhere. I'm holding in 12 teamers for now, but if you only have a few weeks left in your regular season and you are a borderline playoff team in a 10-team league, I'm cool with dropping. Don't love it, but make the playoffs and then figure the rest out later. The Hornets went with a double big lineup to combat Boston's double big lineup. P.J. Washington got a start beside Plumlee and dropped 16-7 and with four threes and two steals. Washington's a more interesting stash to me than Schroeder. He's a little less likely to be moved, but there is legit upside here if he lands in a 28-minute-per-game roll. In a roll of that size, he'd like to be a mid-round guy and really useful in friendly builds like punt assist and punt field goal percentage. Definitely more of a stash than must-have in 12-teamers, though. If you look at his recent game log, it's pretty underwhelming on nights when he's come off the bench. Lamelo had one of his best games of his career with 38-9. and nine. He's turned it around after a pretty bumpy January. It's actually only been a top 55-9 cat guy over the last month, but I'm not too worried. I still value him as a second-round player. Maybe he doesn't get there on a per-game basis in 9 cat, but he's not going to rest down the stretch, so that gives him a little extra value. Keep an eye on Lamelo's steal rate because that's really what's killing him lately. He's usually elite in the category, but he's only managed one point. Oh, steals per game over the last two months. If that doesn't improve, he'll be more of a top 40 guy. Rozier had a really nice game with 23 points, three triples, three steals, and solid boards and dimes. Don't be sleeping on Rozier. He got off to a terrible start due to the injuries, but over the last three months, he's been a top 35 guy in nine cat. He's a stud and should be valued as a fourth round asset. Uber had a monster game despite going three for 12. He had four steals and three blocks. Same deal as always for Kelly though. He's a must when someone in the starting lineup is out and when everyone is healthy. It's just a deep guy in roto he's a must hold at all times since you can it's easy to pick your spots there just bench him when the starters are healthy and then start him when one starter goes down cody martin had a rough game last night didn't play much he had a great start to the year but he's fallen off hard he's just a steel streamer even in deep leagues
Number two on the docket today is the Thunder's OT win over the Mavs. No keep KP last night, but this was a brutal loss for the Mavs. Trey Mann was the man for the Thunder. He had 29 points on only 14 shots with six threes and a couple of defensive contributions. He should start until SGA is back, but he's still just a flyer. Fine to add in 16 team leagues, but I just watch or stream in anything shallower. He's been a brutal per minute player this year and isn't going to give you much more than inefficient low end to average points and a couple of threes per night. Last night really was a fluke before last night man had scored 13 points or more only three times this season josh giddy had a nice game too besides the six turnovers he gets a bump with sga out but not a huge one since sga being out isn't going to help with his issues and percentages turnovers and threes giddy is still more of a top 150 guy nine cat who can flirt with the top 108 cat when he's playing decently it's been steady all year but he hasn't really been trending up lou dort had 30 with six threes while going six for six from the line he's a must in all leagues with sga out the points and threes are nice, but it's the free throw percentage impact that really makes him useful with uh, Alexander out. He gives you a lot more in that category than most low-end points and threes guys. Once SGA is back, Dort will go back to being more of a low-end punt field goal percentage option. He's not that useful when the Thunder at, are at full strength. Uh, Darius Baisley had 11 boards and three blocks. That's what he does. Just a 16-teamer in friendly builds, but he's a really good rebounds and block streamer in shallower leagues. Just really consistent in those two categories, even though he's coming off of the bench these days the rest of the thunder can be ignored for now Luca dropped a 40 piece for the Mavs and Brunson had 20 with four assists and six turnovers Brunson gets a bump with KP out with KP healthy is just a low-end option Brunson's scoring rate and assist rate falls way off when Luca is active so he's not going to be the top 80 guy that he's been at points this year I try to get out for a clear top 100 guy Kleba went wild for 10 points eight boards two threes three steals and four blocks that is a line that's going to swing a lot of matchups this week there was some trash talk in one of my uh, WhatsApp groups because of that line actually he's a 12 team guy until KP is back and then he'll be more of a threes rebounds and blocks streamer DFS didn't do much despite playing 43 minutes he's viable in 12 but he's fine to drop if there's something nice out there his steal rate and efficiency has slipped lately which has caused him to lose most of his usefulness Reggie Bullock looks like he's going to be useful in deep leagues in Tim Hardaway's old role he had 23 points last night with five threes over his last four he's averaged 17.8 points per game and 4.5 threes per game obviously neither of those numbers are sustainable but he could end up in like the 12.2.5 threes per game uh, range and that has some value in 14 and 16 team links our next game was another upset there was quite a few last night the Rockets took down the Cavs by 11 KPJ had another reasonable game he had an efficient 16 and 7 with three triples he's playing like a standard league guy for the first time this year and is fine to add I just wouldn't drop anyone decent for him because he's probably going to go back to being the old KPJ eventually which is just a top 300 guy who is untouchable outside of builds like punt field goal percentage or punt free throw percentage and while while punting turnovers as well it's really just a low-end guy even in his best builds Jalen Green had 21-5-5 with three threes and two defensive contributions. Uh, Good to see, but I don't really care. I'm not adding anywhere outside of maybe 16-team league punt field goal percentage. Green has been absolutely atrocious all year. He's been one of the worst players in the league, one of the worst players in fantasy. So it would take a ton of improvement for him to even be a back-end standard league player. I don't think he's going to get there because he's not going to all of a sudden become efficient. And his boards, assists, and steals have really shown no signs of life this year. Christian Wood had 21-7-4 with some extras. Could be moved at the deadline and his manager should be praying that he's not. He's not a big impact guy in real basketball. So any team trading for him is not going to give him as much usage or minutes as the Rockets are. Eric Gordon could be moved as well. He's actually one of the more likely guys to be traded at the deadline. If he goes, it will likely be for a pick, which should open up some minutes for Garrison Matthews. You don't need to add Matthews 
Matthews, but keep an eye on him. He, he should be solid down the stretch. Uh, Shen Goon had 9, 8, and 3 with a block. I don't mind stashing him before the deadline in case we get a Wood trade, but if Wood isn't moved, then he'll go back to being just a luxury stash for teams at the top of the standings. He's averaging about 7 and 3 lately, so he's not someone you want to mess with if the playoffs are not locked up. On the Cavs side, Mobley had a massive game with 29 and 12. It did ruin his line a little bit with 5 for 9 shooting from the charity stripe. That's been the trend lately. All of his county stats have held steady and his usage has actually been increasing slightly as the year has gone on, but the free throw percentage just has just died. This is probably just a case of the yips. It feels like a worse version of what Anthony Davis went through last year. Mobley wasn't a great free throw shooter in college, shot in the high 60s, but he should be a shouldn't be a 50% shooter. He's not a bad buy low target, especially in punt free throw percentage where you don't care about his free throws. Even if he doesn't come around there, you don't really care that much. Hurts his points a little bit, but he'll still be a clear top 50 guy. Osman got another start, but didn't do anything in the assist column like last game because Goodwin also started. Goodwin's starting takes a lot of the appeal away from Osman. Without dimes, Osman's just a forgettable points and threes guy. As long as Garland's out, Goodwin should be a very solid source of dimes, actually. He's usually pretty solid when given the chance, and he's producing 7.0 assists per 36 this year. That's a real nice number. The rest of his lineup will be low end. Can maybe give you a steal a night, but that's it. Okoro played a bunch. He didn't do anything. You know the deal here. Ignore him even in deep leagues. Caleb had 21 points on 20 shots with 13 boards it's not going to play minutes in the high 20s like he has the last couple of games uh once Laurie is back but that doesn't really worry me too much love's been a top 90 guy in only 22 minutes this year and his per minute numbers have been almost yokage level this year that's not an exaggeration love's a top three per minute guy if you can sell for a top 60 guy or something yeah then go ahead but you probably can't you're probably going to be stuck rotting it out with love and that's absolutely fine Magic Pacers is next. As you can probably guess, this was not the prettiest game in the world. The Magic eked this one out despite Cole Anthony going 2 for 15 from the field. He did hit 9 free throws though out of 10 and ended up with 15 and 8, but that shooting really hurts. Anthony has really, really fallen off hard. He's only been a top 189 cat guy over the last two months. It's mostly due to the shooting though, so he's a decent buy low and punt field goal percentage. Over the last two months, he's somehow shot only 34.7% from the field. That's a disgusting number, so I'd probably stay away in other builds even though he, he probably come pretty cheap. Markel Falls eventually coming back also makes me a little nervous for Anthony. Speaking of inefficient magic guards, Suggs had another inefficient game. That nice run after he came back from injuries looking like a mirage. He had 12 points on 16 shots. He did add eight assists, but he didn't hit a three. He's a flyer in punt field goal percentage. That's all he really is at the moment. I don't think he has enough upside this year to be worth holding through all the growing pains. It's just really hard to be useful when you're a disaster in all the efficiency categories, including turnovers, and you don't hit threes. Uh, Wagner had 17 points, four boards, and a three on good shooting. This was the sixth game in a row where he hit the 17-point mark. We've probably already seen his best stretch, but it does look like the Rook's going to settle in as a clear top 100 guy. Mobamba only played 15 minutes, which was due to the Pacers not having any bigs. I wouldn't worry too much there. In normal matchups, he's been playing enough. The main threat with Bamba is John Isaac, but at this point, how worried can we really be? It's February now, and we've still got zero reports that Isaac is even somewhat close. Remember, he's supposed to be behind Fultz in his recovery, and Fultz is still MIA. I'm not stashing Isaac anywhere unless I had IL spots that I could never use. Chuma Okiki is the last Magic player I want to talk about. Didn't do anything last night, but he's still must roster to me, even in a 24-minute-per-game role. He's doing thigh-bull things on the defensive end while hitting a couple of threes a night. The minutes aren't ideal, but as long as he's producing mid-round numbers, you have to hold him, especially with his late-season upside being absolutely enormous. Chuma could win leagues if he's playing 30 down the stretch. 
Isaiah Jackson destroyed DFS lineups everywhere when he went down 22 seconds into the game. He's fine to stash, so through the deadline, just in case Turner and or Sabonis gets moved. But once the Pacers get some bodies back, Johnson will probably be just a bit player again, at least for a little bit. I like him a lot for a late season, for his late season upside. Uh, he could be a real nice source of defensive numbers and boards down the stretch. He was a monster source of defensive numbers in college, but his short-term outlook is not great. Laverta, 26-5-5, not much to say here. We just have to hope that he isn't moved at the deadline. It's very unlikely that he'll have a role as large as his current role on a decent team. Might be more of a six-man. Justin Holiday at 13 points with three triples and low-end numbers elsewhere. He's a really nice option in 14-team leagues these days. More of a streamer in 12 for threes, but he's not a bad short-term hold if threes are a swing category. He can give you close to three triples a night, and he's been playing well for a while now. Duarte at 11 and 7 on bad shooting with a couple of threes. Fine to have in 12 teamers, but he's just a 12th or 13th man. He could go wild down the stretch, though, if the Pacers do semi blow it up, so he has something to watch, even if you don't want him right now. Torrey Craig at 22 points, five threes, five boards, and a steal. That whole line's a fluke. Craig is a decent board streamer. It can give you low end numbers elsewhere, but I wouldn't even call him a deep league hold at this point. There's just no upside there. Next up is the Lakers game. Got a much-needed win over the Blazers. Wasn't pretty at times, but it still counts. AD and Melo were really the only Lakers who played well. Pretty low-scoring game, 99-94. AD is back to his usual self, and he's crushing it. Um, I, I get why Laker fans have beef with him in real life, but in fantasy, he's been pretty sick. He's a clear top 10 guy. Melo had 24 with five threes, eight boards, and two blocks. He's a nice 12th or 13th man in 12 teamers until Braun is back. And then when James is healthy, Melo will be more of a streamer, more of a strong 14 team league option. Monk had a very rough night, but he's a must hold until LeBron is back as well. After that, I wouldn't call him a must roster. So if you need to drop, Someone over the next few days due to a nice free agent popping up because of a trade. Monk is very expendable. Not much else to talk about with the Lakers at the moment. From a fantasy standpoint, they are very boring. Norm Powell kept the Blazers in it with 30 points, 5 threes, and plenty of extras. He's a clear mid-round guy with the potential for more if the Blazers blow it up at the deadline. If CJ goes, that means no Dane down the stretch, and that means Powell will be the first or second option every night down the stretch. He's a good guy to target in trades after his next dud. I, you can probably get him pretty cheap. I, I've seen a lot of people not really valuing him properly as the year has gone on. Nurkic played 35 minutes, which is awesome. Never thought we'd see that day. He'll lose some run when Nance is back, but with the Blazers not really having legit centers on their roster right now, maybe he stays around 30 a night. Nurk is great in punt free throw percentage, but outside of that build, he's more of a top 100 guy. He's tricky to have in Roto because the popcorn stats are awesome and you really want to start him, but the free throw percentage is just so rough that he'll struggle to even be a top 100 guy. Been more of a top 120 guy lately, really. Uh, the, the free throw percentage was my worry in preseason because he's really only had one good year at the line, and that's really looking like a fluke. He was over three from the charity stripe last night. He's only hit 62% of his six free throws a night over the last month, which has made him one of the biggest drags in the league on that category. We just need to pray that there's no trade here. Uh, there hasn't been a ton of smoke out there lately about um, a NERC trade, but since he's on an expiring contract, it's definitely possible that he's moved Covington had a wild line, over eight from the floor, didn't score, but had 13 boards, nine assists, four steals, and a block. Draymond Green would be very jealous of that line. It sounds like Cov is most likely of the Blazers to be moved. Hard to say whether that would hurt him a lot or not. It depends on the team he goes to. It's really just about the minutes with Cov since he doesn't derive much of his value from the usage-related categories. Uh, Simon's at 19 on 18 shots with three threes and three dimes. Slowed down a bit since CJ got back, but it's actually not because of lack of touches. Uh, Simon's usage 
has actually been trending up lately. He's just shot really poorly poorly lately. That means you shouldn't worry too much about the recent top 120 ranking. That's where he's been over the last couple of weeks. His role is fine. He just needs to shoot 44% instead of 40%. Uh, once he does that, it'll probably be a top 70, top 80 guy. Macklemore has cooled off a ton after a bunch of monster games from deep. He was my preferred three streamer for a couple of weeks, but uh, squash that now. I'm moving on to Reggie Bullock when I need threes in 12-team leagues. The Grizz got a win at the Garden despite Jazz scoring only 23 points and 27 shot attempts and 8 free throws. JJJ was actually the hero last night. He had 26 and 10 with 4 threes and 2 blocks. Super inconsistent on offense, but his defense continues to be unbelievable. He's averaged 3.3 blocks per game over the last month. I wouldn't do it in every league, but in some leagues, he's a good sell-high option due to the Grizzlies' playoff schedule. Memphis has one of the worst playoff schedules in a couple of playoff setups. I'd aim for the top 30 in trade talks. The same goes for Morant. He's killing it right now, but quantity tops quality in the playoffs most of the time get those extra playoff games if you can obviously you want to aim real high for morant been a top 40-ish guy in nine cat top 50-ish guy in nine camp but you could probably get a top 20 guy for him just because of the hype Bain had an awful night. He shot four for 18. He still should be viewed as like a top 60, top 70 guy. He's playing a little better better than that on a per-game basis so far, but Dylan Brooks, um, his eventual return will hurt Bain a little bit. Steven Adams played 30 and had 13 boards and not much else. Even in punt free throw percentage, he's just a board streamer. He's ranked outside of the top 200 on the year in nine cat, and he's only been a top 130 player in punt free throw percentage this year. Brandon Clark played 18 minutes at a 10 and 7. His minutes have been down the last couple of games, but I'd hold for now. He only needs about 22 a night to be a top 100 guy and I don't think Adams is going to be a 30 minute guy going forward. Adams has just played a little more the last couple games due to the matchups. Clark should eventually get enough minutes to be solid. Melton had a nice line in 18 minutes with 14 points of steal and four threes. Still just a streamer his minutes are just too inconsistent. Solid in 14 teamers but in 12 I'd rather streamer spot especially with the deadline coming up. On the Knicks side, Randall had an inefficient near triple-double. I'm not buying low on Randall. Last year always felt like a fluke to me. I just don't think you can get him at a price I'd feel comfortable with. Randall's only been a top 150 player over the last three months, but to get him, you'd probably have to give up like a top 90 guy. I'm just not comfortable with that. Barrett had 23 points and not much else in so-so efficiency. You know what Barrett is at this point. He's a nice points league option and just a 13th man in 12-team leagues in friendly builds. His, cat, his game is just not made for category leagues. Fournier surprised with 30 points with eight threes and five boards fournier has had three good games in a row but i'm still hesitant to call more than a streamer on nights when he's not hot he's been playing minutes in the low to mid 20s uh, mitch rob was godly last night with 14 points 11 boards and eight blocks he's had a real rough season but i'd hold him for the blocks and the elite field goal percentage impact he's a flawed player but he, it is just very very hard to find what he brings on the wire it's not like a points and threes guy you can easily find a replacement for that hard to find elite field goal percentage impact and blocks on the wire uh, nerland's well played 16 and did absolutely nothing he's a watch in all leagues but i'd only be adding in deeper settings until he can prove that his knee is healthy i'm not sure that that is going to be the case at any point this year kemba played 17 and put up a goose egg i feel bad for kemba at this point it's a tough way to go out it's not his fault that his knees have given up on him i would expect the knicks to eventually pull him for the rotation i would not be rostering kemba outside of extremely deep leagues the Wizards pulled it out against the Sixers despite not having Bradley Beal. Kuzma had another big game with 24 on good shooting, four threes, seven boards, one steal, and three blocks. I know it was a bit of goof. He's a bit of a meme, but there's just not enough talk about his breakout season. The dude has been really good, especially lately. He's been a top 40 guy over the last month, and he's averaged 22.4 points per game on 50% shooting, 10.7 rebounds per game, and 1.4 blocks per game. In 8-cat, he's been even better since he's averaged 3.4 turnovers per game over that stretch. It's hard to sell him high, though, because people just under 8 I'd also be hesitant to sell him because the 
Wizards' playoff schedule is spectacular. It's very possible that Kuzma is flirting with the top 40 on a totals basis during the fantasy playoffs. Spencer Dinwiddie had an ugly triple-double with 14, 12, and 10 on 4 for 16 shooting. He's a sell-high anytime Beal is out. When Beal is active, Dinwiddie's more of a top 175 guy. He's another player who just isn't made for category leagues. I think for the top 100, that's probably a stretch, but I mean a lot of fantasy players do dumb things to boost their dimes, so you never know. Aaron Holiday started for Beal and did nothing as expected. Gafford also started with Thomas Bryant out. He only had 9-7 and seven with the block, but he did play just over 21 minutes, which is good to see. That's enough for Gafford. He's a hole through the deadline as it feels likely that one of the centers is moved, and it probably won't be him. Uh, if he was going to be moved, they probably wouldn't have benched him. They probably would have showcased him. Harrell had 14 points on 7 for, seven for 10 shooting and did nothing else. There's a good chance that Harrell's moved. He's not a must in 10. In 12, I'd probably hold on for now, but if there's a no-brainer popping up over the next few days, Harrell's fine to drop. There was nothing too interesting happening on the Sixers side. Embiid had a so-so game by his standards, and Maxi had 22-8-7. A Simmons trade doesn't sound super likely at this point, so I just hold on and hope for the best. Matisse Thibault played 34, but was pretty quiet. He only had two blocks, zero steals, and one three. It's not for every team, but for teams not too worried about points, he's a must. The minutes are going to be huge until Curry's back, and he's been ahead of Green in the rotation for a while, so maybe 28 minutes per game sticks going forward. Drummond was quiet. He only had four and four, but I'd be holding in most cases. I just will never trust and be to stay healthy. And with the Sixers having a monster playoff schedule in most leagues, Drummond could be a league swinger down the stretch if MB does get hurt. Still just a stash, but he's a pretty nice one. In Roto, he's also a must roster since you can pick your spots there. Our second last game of the day is the Kings versus the Nets, which was yet another upset. The Kings got this one by 11 despite both Harden and Irving being active. It was a team effort on the Kings side. No one really blew up, but almost the entire rotation played pretty well. Davion Mitchell had 18, although it took him 19 shots to do it. He added two threes, five boards, three dimes, and a steal. He's a nice streamer until Fox is back, and then after that, it'll be an easy drop. Mo Harkless started and played 34 minutes. That only happened because Bagley was out with an ankle sprain. Even in a starting role, Harkless is not a good streamer. I'd be staying away even in deep leagues. Rashawn Holmes is really the lone disappointment on the Kings side. He only played 21, and it's definitely time to be worried. It looked like the minutes were getting back up into the 28 minute per game range, which is not ideal, but it's enough. It's reasonable for him to be a mid-round guy with that much run. Uh, But then the last two games, he's dropped back down into the low to mid-20s. We're really at the mercy of Gentry here. If he wants to play his best center 24 or 25 minutes, then we're in trouble. We just have to hope that he sees the light. Holmes is going to come dirt cheap, so I don't hate the idea of buying low in friendly builds. If Gentry does change his rotations at some point, then you could have an early round guy in your build on your hands. Uh, just don't get crazy with what you give up. Maybe a top 100-ish guy. Uh, Rashawn is definitely very risky at the moment. Meadow had a nice night as well with 11 points, 12 boards, one steal, and two blocks. Meadow's a must-watch in all leagues. He's a really interesting permanent guy and maybe gets a big bump in playing time down the stretch if the Kings fall out of the playing race. Uh, Meadow can contribute solid numbers in almost all the counting categories when given big minutes. Really, every category except assists, so there is top 80 upside if he ever finds himself in a 30-minute-per-game role. On the net side, Harden had one of the worst games of his life with four points on 11 shots. He did have seven boards and 12 assists, but it was a pretty shocking night. Maybe it's a hand, maybe it's a hamstring, maybe he's just moody. It's hard to say, but I would treat it as a one-off for now. Harden was on a pretty serious roll before last night, and it's going to be getting plenty of no Kyrie games going forward. I do worry a bit about him wearing down. He's played a million minutes with Kyrie sitting out and KD hurt. That's always been the risk for the Nets. Kyrie's fragile and unpredictable, and KD is fragile, which leads to Harden getting worn down. Kyrie was god-awful too. I know 
Some think that New York restrictions are going to be lifted, but I can't see that happening in the next month or two. They're probably going to be conservative. I would still try to sell them for any top 100 guy. You have to do it immediately because after this week, it's nothing but one or two game weeks for Kyrie the rest of the way. Patty Mills at 14 with four threes and three steals. The steals are a fluke, but the threes aren't. If you need threes, Adam. If not, look elsewhere as he does nothing else. Claxton was the big story of the night on the net side with 23 and 11 with five blocks and nine for 11 shooting in 29 minutes. We love to see that. I'm sure there'll be ups and downs, and the range of outcomes here is very wide, but due to his upside, he should be held. I could see him being a top 200 guy the rest of the year with the way Nash messes with his rotation, but as we've seen, he does a mid-round upside. And if I was in a good spot in the standings right now, I'd be fine with eating some quiet nights to see if Claxton's role does stabilize. Kessler Edwards barely played and didn't do much. He was a nice streamer a couple weeks ago, but he slowed down quite a bit. I drop in 14 team leagues. Edwards doesn't didn't get as much run last night because James Johnson was hot. Johnson had 18 on great shooting with a three a steal and two blocks. JJ is always worth a watch. And he's had three good games over his last four. So I don't mind streaming him if you need a little bit of everything. He's a low floor option, though, due to Nash's unpredictability. Could easily play 10 minutes next game. In the Nets' last game, he had, Johnson actually only played 12 minutes. Our last game of the day is a boring one. That's why I saved it for last. It was the battle of the backups in Utah last night. The Jazz were minus Mitchell and Gobert. They took out the Jokic less Nuggets by four. Because of who was out, this box score doesn't tell us much. So I'll just do a quick rundown of where the main pieces on each team stand at the moment. You obviously know what Jokic is. Monty Morris is fine as a 13th man, but he's one of those guys that will be fine to drop at the deadline if a no-brainer pickup pops up. Just a back-end option most of the time. And even on his best day, struggles to be a top 100 guy. Just doesn't contribute in enough categories to be more than that plus he comes with an expiry date as murray should be back eventually aaron gordon was out last night too he's just a borderline top 100 guy who will fall off eventually as well i'd be trying to sell it's more of a points league guy than a category league option due to all the holes in his line once murray's back he'll be more of a top 180 guy in nine cat Will Barton has been up and down all year, but he's still a clear top 100 guy and should be a standard league player all year. He'll lose a little bit when Murray's back, but he's a lot safer than Morris or Gordon. That's really it for relevant nuggets. Jeff Green is just a mediocre points streamer. Faku has dropped out of the rotation lately, and Bones just isn't getting enough run to be interesting. Forbes had 26 with four threes last night, but that was just due to the nuggets being down Jokic and Gordon. He's just a mediocre three streamer, hasn't been playing a ton in Denver. On the Jazz side, Bogdanovich, O'Neal, and Conley were active. Bogdanovich should be held for now, but I do worry about him. He's been playing with a fractured finger, and since all of his value is tied to his shooting, could be in a little trouble there. Since hurting his fingers, that one game where he blew up, and then three really ugly shooting nights. It's too early to say anything for sure, but it's something to watch. Royce O'Neal is back after a rough stretch at the end of December. He's been a top 55 guy over the last month and should be rostered in 12-teamers and in all leagues if you're punting points. Uh, his line over the last month has been real nice if you ignore his PPG. Over that stretch, he's averaged 1.7 threes per game, 5.8 rebounds per game, 2.3 assists per game, and 1.3 steals per game while shooting 53.4% from the floor and 100% from the line, although his free throws do come on low volume. It's a nice line, especially in Roto. Conley's locked in as a solid mid-round guy doesn't have a ton of upside but he's been steady all year long and he's being rested a lot less than expected he's turned out to be a pretty nice little pick at his adp i didn't trust him but he's done well this year of the bench options white side he's just a 16 teamer when gobert is healthy a nice streamer but that's it rudy gay is worth watching with ingles down probably won't get a major jump in playing time the jazz just want to limit him due to his age but if he were to even start playing 22 a night he could be a top 175 guy gay is still a strong per minute producer and can still give you solid points threes and rebounds when he gets a chance 
And with that, we're done. Hope you enjoyed it. For my subscribers, make sure to check out the site on Monday. I'll have my trade trade deadline preview up then. And then on deadline day, I'll have a thread up where I give my instant reaction to each move. If you follow that, you'll know who to grab. You'll know who to drop. For the non-EFB subs, make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'll be busy there on deadline day as well. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.